Hello and welcome to The Big Chat, a podcast that champions individuals and businesses at the heart of their communities. Um, Making sure they understand how accountable they need to be in the business, but being positive throughout so that they literally love what they do. I think magazines will always be around. I think there'll always be a market for them. I think advertisers like being on paper. But in another way, it actually gave me that time to really grow and develop and, um, yeah, build it, basically. We, we try to communicate more with clients than most accountants do. The Big Chat. This is all about collaboration and giving people in our towns the chance to have their say, their way. Hello, I'm Nicole and welcome to this week's episode of The Big Chat. And I am very, um, very excited about this chat because we've had a couple of weeks off. Um, well, I say a couple of weeks off. We were on the Local and Live podcast, Giles Paley Phillips and myself, chatting some interesting acts recently. And we did that, which was great. We did the Big Chat takeover. But we um, then had a little bit of a week off and we were talking to lots of people. And we thought, what better way to come back on with our local community business podcast um, to than to talk to someone who's really an expert in their field talking about all things career and happiness which is certainly something that I'm a great advocate of I think the two can go hand in hand if possible so I'm really excited to introduce you all today to a lovely lady who I've got with me today called Soma Gosh, is that right so I say it right so yeah. I say it right yeah. Yeah. hello hi Soma Hey, hey everybody. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm all right, thank you. It's um always a bit manic on Mondays, but all good. <laughs> now you're not you're not local to Tunbridge Wells, are you? Where are you based? If you or you don't have to tell people, you know, you can um, I'm based in northwest London, Harrow. Yeah, so, yeah. not far, but not far, not far. But you know, we do like to obviously have guests on that um, uh, are going to be interesting to talk to about subjects that are going to be relevant to the community. And so we were really excited when um, Big Chat Podcast producer Giles Paley Phillips he was like, "You've got to talk. You've got to talk to this lady. You've got to talk to her." So, got Giles, Giles to thank for connecting us today. You do have your own podcast as well, don't you, Soma? Yes, I do have my own podcast. Um, we're at 101 episodes with my podcast, which I'm really proud of. But, um, yeah, That's I do. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, for those that don't know anything about you, you're you're known as the well, the website certainly is the Career Happiness Mentor. Yes. Would you like to tell people listening today a bit more about what that means? I mean, about you know, not just career happiness, but who who you are and and what you do to help people so much. Yeah, so obviously my name is Soma and I am a careers advisor. Um, I used to previously work in schools and colleges. And weirdly enough, I will be in the library with my business, which I'll talk a little bit more about, um, going back one day a week, helping young people with careers advice in schools. Um, but the business itself, the Career Happiness Mentor, came about because when I was really struggling in the workplace, I trained as a careers advisor, it sounds maybe soppy, but this is who I am, to help people. That was my mission, to help people. And when I was working in schools, I thought, oh yeah, I'm going to be in this career for like forever. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be within an education setting. But then I was made redundant. And then later on, I faced a lot of challenges in my life. Um, one of those challenges being um, I was going through anxiety and depression quite a lot on and off and I just kept on ignoring it I wasn't talking about it a lot and actually I ended up leaving a job I got married um, you know moved to the other side of London I was living in East London moved to Northwest London and to cut a long story short the business started in a way where it had no structure if I can be honest it wasn't anything that particularly had a niche or had a client base but after a while what happened is I actually ended up going back to careers advice work in schools full-time which in hindsight you know we all do things that we learn from we all make mistakes as part of life and I thought oh yeah I can still carry on with my business but I met an amazing business coach who really really said to me look Soma you need to be able to stand out 
you need to be able to have something which people can have an alignment with. And the universe, although it was a really tricky period in my life, handed me something that was going to be a big learning curve, Nicole. I was working in a very toxic work environment where I was being bullied quite heavily by somebody to the point where, again, the anxiety and depression came, but it was a lot worse. I actually lost who I was. A lot of people would say now I'm very confident and bubbly, but I lost that person. That person is not the person that you see here today. I isolated myself from my friends. So we came up with the Career Happiness Mentor because we were finding that women, professional women at work, who were in um, very kind of corporate environments, but even in education and other environments, none of them were happy at work. So when I was working with Lucy, we were coming up with strategies of how can we bring the career advice to people and work with them. And I've had my business for five years now. And in that time, what I've seen, Nicole, is that I was actually hiding from the career advice. A lot of the time I was trying to like do career coaching. And that isn't me. I do do elements of coaching in my work, but I realise actually this is what people want from me. They want me to help young people, but they also want me to work with professional women. So now I'm in a place where I work with um, adults, so professional women who are unhappy at work, going through burnout, bullying, all those things. But I also work with parents of teenagers who aren't getting the support they need in schools. So that's that's kind of how the business has evolved within the five years of the podcast started in 2019, because I wanted to do something where I was being unique as, as a brown woman, because there aren't that many people like myself doing what I'm doing. I guess and I always try to do things a bit uniquely so I've always been like that I guess <laughs> yeah I love, I love that and I, I interesting on your website there was a lot of language that you use that resonates with me sort of you know voice to be heard and thriving and there's a lot of language that we use ourselves here actually and I think for me I'm 46 when I was back in my teens we had like a career we were even talking about this I think on a previous podcast where you'd sort of have this career advice you know place that you go it was like a hub is in my local town it was in Tunbridge you go to this place when you're at school and you go in this place and they sort of like put in put information into whatever it was then probably not a laptop that's for sure but it was you know almost like a system which was like you can do this you can do this and then out of that sort of spurted oh you can work in a bank or you can do this or you can do that and there weren't as many opportunities or certainly we didn't think there was as many opportunities back then as we do now and that's interesting when we talk to entrepreneurs because when we talk to entrepreneurs that you know they've it's the sky's the limit is but that doesn't mean we don't need advice and especially for the, the youth of today like you're saying, you know, or parents of it's, it's hard because they go after the glossy things and they're not given enough advice. And, um, it's important years that we only realize when we get to our age that we look back and go, Oh God, if only I'd had this information then. So that's phenomenal of what you're doing. Um, I, yeah, I mean, looking at your sort of looking at everything that you do as well, you really talk about mental and physical health and that's something that you that you work on with people as well and that's certainly something through lockdown people have become more aware of haven't they how that's intrinsically linked um you know talk a bit about that what your experience of that has been it's been really really interesting because I've had and I hope this is okay to share here because I've had quite a lot of challenges myself this year um, share away share away if you're happy to share I'm happy to yeah. listen well, it'll be insightful for entrepreneurs who listen to this podcast and very important because I've been doing a lot of campaigning on LinkedIn for this as well, just to help other business owners because that, that's just who I am. Um, back in June last year, things were going very like nicely with my business. Yeah, people were reaching out. They needed help. Mm. But then something happened in my business where I was hacked online. Uh, yeah. And sadly, I actually lost access to my Facebook and Instagram accounts. And as a result of that, I had to realign my business to call. When I mean realign, I had to show up in a way where I realized I can't just give up. I've worked for it four years out. At that point, it was four years. What do I do? So I realized that I needed to not just incorporate the careers advice. I need to talk about the mental health stuff, be vulnerable. And what I was finding is between that period when I decided to talk about it a little bit more, I had kind of been sharing, but I had been sharing about the fact that I lost my dad when I was quite young. And grief has been coming up a lot over the last 18 months, as we all know. 
So that's something where I've been attracting some professional women, some clients, being you know going through grief process. Mm. But also, I've been finding that a lot of people we've got this thing at the moment. Nicole, I don't know if you've heard about it, and I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it because I'm quite affiliated, but in a good way. Um, called the big shift, the big reset, the big resignation. So what that means is a lot of people are opting to leave their jobs to either start a portfolio career, set up a business or do something completely different. And why this is linked to mental health is because people have been realising whilst they've been working at home, hang on a minute, actually I am working myself to the bone and I'm not getting appreciation and I'm not getting job satisfaction. Or when I've been working with some of my clients, what I went through, what I noticed is we stay very silent at work. And what I mean is, you know, we get on with all the tasks we need to do, but we don't express believe what we want so we don't get the professional development that we seek Mm. so one of the challenges that has come up I've seen with a few women is that some of the women have just been expected to get on with it at home so how can you do that when you need to develop in your role why hasn't there been any mentoring or any support to thrive in that role not just the role itself but the physical and mental support and the reason I'm so passionate about that Nicole and I try and help my clients with that is I feel like it's very very important for us to express who we are because I have a psychology background if we don't express who we are how are we going to be happy at work Mm. so I know that's quite a long-winded answer but it's different for every client it's not the same so I don't want to put everyone in a box but what I would say is that for most people a lot of people are really thinking about shifting their careers because they realized in the last 18 months that Life is precious, and if we don't do something now to change, nothing's ever going to change. Um, not just for them, but for their children as well. I think, but yeah, that's kind of had a long way, windy way of saying things, but I hope it makes sense. <laughs> it does. It makes it makes perfect sense, and I think that the big shift in the the reset is mm. is is entirely accurate. And actually, we were looking at one of your podcasts. It was the episode forty where you talked to is it Elaine? Can't pronounce her surname. Is it? Bartho, okay. Yeah. I thought that might be it, but I wanted yeah. to double check. Um, but you recorded that episode before lockdown, didn't you? But you actually you filmed it before before lockdown, but it was released in April. So it's April 2020. And you mm. talk about dealing with burnout in the workplace. And I thought that yeah. was really interesting that you'd literally touched on a subject where you do, which you talk about quite a, a bit in, in, in mm. writings. And it's very relevant to what you're talking about now as well, why people might yeah. want to and reset but also then we had this incredible <laughs> literally the whole planet burned out pretty much didn't it I mean we you know there was a there was a kind of systematic burnout of the population where everyone just had to stop and reset yeah and I think a lot of people myself included realized that I was just running at a million miles an hour and I couldn't do it anymore just no more you know and mm-hmm. That that's talk about that that burnout in the workplace and and just your experience of re- re- releasing that podcast and at a time then that was re- everything that was going on. So it's really interesting because I think before we recorded that, we had Elaine discuss that because it was just before the lockdown happened. And I actually did say that in the intro. And what is very interesting as well is just recently been featured in an article for Metro about the pandemic burnout which I'm sure you're aware of Mm. because we've all been living through it and when I mean all of us all of us have it doesn't matter what situation we're in but in terms of burnout in the workplace what I would say is a lot of the time we don't even realize we're going through the burnout because we're so used to working you know ridiculous hours maybe on weekends maybe when we come home if you have a work laptop you know they see the opening up and I'll just answer a couple of emails and by the time you look at your watch if you come home at six seven o'clock you're there till nine if you're maybe single you don't have kids right and what I'm finding when I'm speaking to the different women that come to me is that we've got different scenarios where you've got the the mums who are trying to be caregivers who are trying to like be super women versus the people who are on their own who especially during lockdown Nicole what I found is that their work became their crutch if that makes sense. So they actually were isolating yeah, themselves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were isolating themselves from their friends and family. So rather than, and because of Zoom burnout, you know, I know we're doing this on Zoom, but what I mean is, you know, like call after call after call after call. 
that was also burning them out. But burnout has been around for a long time. And I did an episode on the podcast where I primarily went through what burnout was. Um, there's a man, gentleman in the 70s who came out with it called Herbert Frittenberg. I think that's his name. It's a very kind of long well, much better name. name to me, so <laughs> well remembered. I never would have got that one think, in a minute. I think it's something like that. But he's a psychologist that came up with it because what it was, you know, like just before Wall Street and people working long hours, going back to the 80s here, I know it's a long time ago, but it, this is all linking with what I'm trying to say, Nicole, is that was when people started to work those ridiculous long hours. And people were not doing enough research in terms of science and in terms of health. You know, my own father died from a heart attack um, after he became ill. He was a lawyer. And the thing is, is that some burnout is actually inseated, if that makes sense. What I mean by that is, you could become ill from another illness. He had a brain injury and that can sit in with you for years and then you pass away or you can have strokes. So this isn't a new thing. And then if you look at countries like Japan, you know, you've got the um, very kind of different cultures there where people are working basically extremely long hours. So burnout isn't new. And what my aim is to help my clients is to try and help them understand that you know, you can have balance, you can have portfolio careers, but because our society dictates that we must be in a certain job, we must do things a certain way, it's very difficult for people to come out of that mindset. And that's what I'm trying to do with my work. That's amazing. I think, I mean, I certainly, um, did, I did take some time off during lockdown. I was, you know, I was, I was part furloughed from, from my businesses as, as were many. And I furloughed some of my team and a lot of my team that are freelancers went on reduced hours, but being at home with my two children, young children, it, there was no off switch. It was, it was literally, there was no off switch. And I, I don't know about your experience with your clients, but certainly since coming back into the workplace, um, it's difficult to know when the off switch is now. It seems to, you know, sort of finding that pace again of of work coming out of it. So, you know, I keep saying to people, it's like PTSD from lockdown because it's, it just feels like it. And it's just sort of adjusting to whatever this new normal is. Um, and yeah, just your laptop or just being on your phone. I'm always being told off by anyone I'm with that I'm on my phone constantly. I'm not surfing Facebook. I'm, I'm normally working, you know, I'm normally on WhatsApp or, <laughs> whatever working and it's really hard to switch off from actually but mm. it is important that you don't excuse me now having a big cough oh, I hope you're okay <laughs> oh thank you um but uh, burnout is something I mean certainly how 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 were people what were people saying to you during lockdown then was that uh, busier in lockdown or I mean I hate saying that were you busier in lockdown but yeah you know, the, need, the need is more but different I imagine what what was what were people mm. saying to you that you were working with I think some of the conversations I was having when people were in lockdown Nicole were that people were feeling really really overwhelmed how to handle the, the situation because I feel like Burnout is one thing, but it wasn't just the burnout that was contributing to the burnout, weirdly. It was the burnout of missing family members. It was the burnout of, you know, people that they couldn't see. It was the burnout of not having that. I don't want to say the word balance, because but not having those boundaries between work and life. Yes. The time that you should be spending with, you know, I, I don't have kids, but time that sometimes I should have been spending with my husband, I was noticing that sometimes he was really worrying about work at night and when I was talking to my clients there was a similar pattern if they didn't have kids yet where they were actually working themselves to the bone because they felt that other people were showing themselves up and doing a certain level of work so I need to do the same you know and I'm not I'm gesturing with my hands but what I mean is there was almost this like inner competition going on so you had that the other things that were coming up was with some of the examples of when I was talking to women they were feeling like they weren't having that mental and like mental health support. So mm-hmm. if they were going through a challenging time, suppose they've lost somebody or suppose somebody actually did have COVID and they were in hospital for a long time, mm-hmm. they were burnout from running to and through to the hospital and not being able to, you know, give their work 100%. So there's lots of different scenarios, but I think the main thing is, is people not taking time to address that actually maybe even their job isn't the be all and end all of everything you know and I think that's sometimes hard for people to 
address and actually realizing, you know what, I'm going to cut down my hours so I can spend more time with the children, or I'm going to cut down my hours and I'm going to start a part-time business. But it's a combination of things. There isn't one answer, but kind of different things, I would say. Yeah. And that's, and I think that, um, because I, I, as you probably know, but I do coaching, I coach yeah. clients and it's been coming up recently that there's been a lot of people coming to me that I end up coaching and they are doing exactly that. They're working, they're potentially working for other people still, but mm. they also want to launch something of their own. And it's really nice that that's, you're allowed, you're sort of allowing people to do more of that, to be more mm. creative with their work style environment, because yeah. I think before they used to, you know, you could do it, but it was almost a bit secret. You know, if you worked for someone, you had to work for them exclusively. And then you couldn't, you know, as long as it's all above board and it's allowed. But I've mm. always been someone that's very happy that people are doing lots of different things. I, 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 I'm i mm. not, you know, I don't covet people and say, I've got to work for me and they can't do anything else. But it's it seems to be more accepted since lockdown. We seem to be changing the way we work. And people are also, like you say, they're thinking, actually, I've got this skill set how about if I use this a bit more for myself as well as for other people, which I think mm. is great, all, for, all the more power for, for people empowering themselves. So is yeah. that when you say with jobs, that's that's coming up a lot more as well? Yeah, definitely. It is coming up a lot more. But also people are taking breaks from yeah. their jobs. So what I mean is I've worked with a few clients who've actually like said, you know what, I'm going to switch off for a while yeah, and have a career break. And give myself permission to have that break. Whereas before, there was this guilt of, oh, my God, no, I can't do that. That's really selfish. But I think people have changed their mindset around that, which is refreshing and nice to see. And I think it's important we do that. It's important we have breaks. Okay, so this is interesting. If I was going to take a career break, I'm not taking a career break, but if I was going to take a career, I'm in <laughs> yeah. my after what you say. Yeah. How, what's What would you, if you're advising someone on a career break, what, what, I mean, is there a sort of specific time? Is it, is it, does it depend? I mean, I'm sure like with all things, it depends what the person's mm-hmm. doing, how long they work, but is there, a, you know, like sabbaticals normally like three months yeah. to travel the world. Is, is there a specific time that you would say is a good amount of time to take a career break? Because if I take a week off, I don't, I tried to take a week. I mean, I, I said I was closed in August. I wasn't closed in August. <laughs> yeah. Every time I say I'm not working, I end up being pulled into something or doing yeah. something else. Yeah. I've not, I've, you know, and because I have multiple businesses, I might be furloughed from one, but I'd be doing stuff on another one. <laughs> there's no off switch. So yeah. what would be a career break for me today? If I, how long would I need to take off to really assess my situation with you with I my think, mentor? <laughs> I think it depends on the person. Some of the clients I've been working with who have been taking career breaks, it's actually something that they've made decision on. Okay. With with me as a careers advisor, my aim is to give everybody different options. So when I've been working with clients, I'm like, okay, career change, this is the option. Career break, this is the option. Quitting your job, this is the option. Is yeah. there a backup plan? I'm quite realistic. I'm not saying that, oh, you know, if you've got a mortgage and bills to pay, run away. And, you know, expect the universe to, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's, I'm very realistic. And I think in terms of timeframes, it depends like it's funny what you're saying about August period because I took about two and a half weeks off and I kept on getting emails from journalists and clients and I'm like I'm meant to be off and I was having to not in a bad way it's nice it's nice to be wanted but I'm saying that we as business owners that off button if you're talking about business owners specifically you have to have certain boundaries on where you put your working hours under your email you do those sorts of things but if we're talking about professional women the particular gap that's needed, it depends on the trauma. And I'm going to use that word for a minute because it depends on the experiences that you've had in the past. What I've noticed, just to share with you, because I think this might help people, is that if you're a woman, and I'm an introvert, right? I am I am actually an introvert. People get surprised by that. Is when I started in my career um, and I was working as a career advisor in schools, I would let a lot of things slip. I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's okay. I'm not going to say anything, but that was awkward. Or blah, blah, blah. And a lot of people get accustomed to not saying when somebody said something wrong or somebody's made them feel uncomfortable. So what happens after a period of time is if you're used to people treating you badly and putting up with it, let's just say you're being bullied or you're in a toxic workplace, there'll come a period of time where you need to take a break emotionally, physically, right, in your career. So if that's a year and you can afford to do that financially and you may have support of a partner or savings, then that's great. 
But if you can only take, let's say, I don't know, three weeks, then you can take three weeks. There isn't any, I, I would say, rule that fits all. But what I would say is you need to have financial backing because we need to pay bills. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So when I'm giving advice and guidance, I'm always just trying to say to somebody, look, the break is just one option. But if you want to carry on doing, let's just say, two days a week, freelancing or contract work then you can do that but make sure that you're not doing it whimsically just because of the sake of quitting your job because that's not going to bring you any happiness or joy overall but that's kind of what I would say in a nutshell so you need to to really have a proper you need to really think about it is like it's not just a question of oh I'm going to take a few I'm going to take an extended Mm. holiday time off and then just come back and everything will be fine you need to really think about your next steps don't you and plan yeah exactly and going back to the mental health aspect as I said I know I'm talking about the trauma a lot but it is really linked mm. you know I took a career break a few years back and I took a whole year off because I was then living at home I wasn't married you know <laughs> I was living a single life so I could just like be with my mom and my sister and it was it was nice but I'm saying that as an example because you know, you, you have a sense of freedom there where you're not worrying about the bill or the mortgage. But if you have a partner and you have kids or you're a carer, there are different things there that you have to have in place and you can't afford to take that time. So everybody, I would say, have, would need a different approach. But overall, what I would say is that if you are mentally burnt out, you need to have a plan, have some steps, even and I hope this is okay to share what I would say is if it's really really bad like I was being bullied I saw a counsellor if you're in such a bad place where maybe you're facing racism because unfortunately I've had clients come to me with stories like that talk to a therapist or talk to somebody who's going to be able to give you extra support Nicole because it's so important yeah that's yeah I mean Bullying in the workplace—it's a—it's a really, you know, and I mean, racism, anything like that's just awful. It, and and I was talking to someone that works, just started working with us mm. recently, and she's a colleague of hers experienced it in a previous workplace, and it just—it's just all you just—if you're not of that, if you're not of that thinking, you just don't think it goes on, but it does. And but with bullying, I remember certainly when I was in my twenties, early twenties, I always worked in a predominantly male environment I was always in sales a bit like the old boiler room you know and I had many good times but there was it, it, there was you know for women yeah. I mean there was one place that I worked and there was literally a sales floor of men probably 40 50 men and there was like maybe two three girls and that was it two three women and there was there was bullying that went on there was stuff that went on that you just sort of had to brush off and I you know can remember I remember one chap sort of really not being very nice to me at all, really making me very upset. And at the and at the end, when he left, he turned around and said, Well, actually, it's because I really liked you. And I was like, Really? Well, you're going wrong there, mate, for starters. If that's how you go about showing a girl you like her. I mean, I've realized that now. It's good advice for my nine-year-old. I often say if he's been a bit mean, he might have a little twinkle in his eye for you. But the, you know, there's psychology behind that. But he, but the, the actual bullying that goes on the workplace back then, it was just, you just took it. I mean, it was just, you just really, is, there is more support now, isn't there? There is more, I mean, I would hate to see anyone being bullied in any way, shape or form, but there is more support now in the workplace. And, and isn't there, I mean, from a legal point of view as well, surely there's more we can do. There's HR companies that can step in and help and things like that. It wasn't so much of that back then, unless you're in a massive organisation. Mm. It certainly wasn't for, for us, uh, for, for where I worked. It's, what's your experience of that with sort of toxicity you talk about and bullying in the workplace? So it's quite interesting because when I initially started talking about my bullying, um, I was actually very afraid to talk about it. I'm just being very honest because I'm quite honest anyway. Um, when I mean afraid, I mean not afraid because of the bully or anything, but like I thought I would be judged a lot because I thought people would think, oh, she's a bit of a wuss, you know. But it, it goes back to what you said, Nicole, about, you know, you take a lot of things. You, you mm-hmm. kind of just like take it on the chin type thing. And when I was working in a school where I was bullied, what I noticed is this person bullied a lot of people. It wasn't just me. I could I could sense that but I think in terms of the support there are a lot of people talking about it. there's a lady that I'm connected to called an Anima Kosha 
Ripoff said for Labour, right? And she has this wonderful forum called the Speak Up Collective, where she's encouraging people to talk about harassment at work, oh, sexual right. harassment, bullying at work, all sorts of things. And it's just a, a forum where they talk about all sorts of things. It's brilliant. And she has a lot of experts on there from the HR field. She's a lawyer. And all these people coming together to do great stuff. And I've spoken, I've spoken one of her clubhouse chats. And I really love the ambition that she has to try and, you know, help. There is support and there have been landmark cases where people have won bullying cases. But what I found, um, there was there was a really, really landmark case actually, I think, with Black Rock, mm. where there was a Muslim girl who was being really, really, really badly bullied in America, actually. And because she wrote this amazing article, um, BlackRock did some stuff, but at the time she was compensated, you know, which isn't really the way to go about things. But mm-hmm. I think it's all about maybe speaking up. And I think if you're in a position where you have a good HR team and you can speak up, that's great. But a lot of the time what I found collectively when I'm having conversations with people about this and I've had somebody come and they're being bullied, they either get moved to another department because you know mm. don't want to don't want to cause out, a rough out of mind. <laughs> yeah, or mm. oh, why don't you leave? You know, and I've had somebody um, previously who I've worked with who you know it's come to a mediation thing, but they were blamed for it. So what I honestly have found is that we've still got a long way to go. But the fact we're having a conversation about it today is a step forward, Nicole. But yeah. also a step forward is that. There are more people coming out talking about it. And I think, although it's still not illegal, unfortunately, um, there's still a lot of people like Anima trying to campaign for that as a lawyer, by the way. But yeah, yeah, we've still got a long way to go, is what I would say. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. I'm not going to stop talking about it because as somebody who's been through it and I wouldn't say I was a wuss, I would say I was not in a good mental state to tell anybody. And when I did mention it to my manager, she completely gaslighted me and she goes, oh, haven't you worked with a difficult person before, Simon? And I'm like, yes, I have, but this is different. This is somebody really, really going for me. And if you're not going to listen to me, fine. And I left. So you for leaving because mm-hmm. that's, you know, like you say, that is, that is gaslighting. And yeah. it's, also, and also, I think with bullying, you know, to bullying start, start I, you know, I was, there's things that I've done when I was a youngster that I'm not proud yeah. of. And I've made apologize, I've apologized outright for behavior. I was going through some really bad stuff when I was young. I was, you know, I was really not in a good place. So it said more about me than it did about anything else. But when you get to a point where you can, you're 18 plus and you've got a job and an education, you would like to think yeah. by then you've really, to, you, you know, it's it because it does say more about the person than it does about the person that's being bullied yeah. and the workplace and the environment that you're in has a, a duty of care to look after its employees or the people that come you know if, my, if anyone comes into my place and they're not happy or I've had people working with me before that say they're stressed out they're not feeling it I, I kind of figure it out before they do because mm. if I no one wants to see anybody unhappy but toxicity yeah. and bullying is just there's just no in my book there's just there's absolutely no excuses for that whatsoever and also there are some people that are bigger characters I'm I'm quite direct and I but I'm always hopefully quite careful to say to people you know I want to hear their opinion I want I want them mm. to talk up because Sometimes there can be overbearing people that are slightly quieter people, more introverts. I'm an introvert, extrovert. So people can do that and they don't speak up necessarily. And they're like you say, they're not able to voice their opinions. What can people that run businesses and certainly sort of people coming back to work now, what can they do more to help this not happening? Or, you know, what can I do as an employ an employer to make sure that people have got a safe space here? Like, should I be sitting down checking in with people more often? What would be your advice to people about that that could help? So it's an interesting one because one thing I'll just quickly mention before I answer that question is bystanders are also affected by bullying, by the way, people that witness bullying without realizing. I thought I'd just quickly mention that. But um in order to answer your question, what I would say is that it's important to just see how people are behaving um, in the workplace. I was in a workplace once, but I was very quiet and somebody came up to me and noticed. I wasn't being bullied, but I was being excluded from a lot of things. So just somebody coming up and saying, Simon, you're okay. And I didn't disclose everything, but I did 
just saying, you know, I, I feel like, you know, this is an okay environment, but I'm just going to get on with it, you know, like that kind of thing. And we had a conversation, a very brief conversation. Mm. So I would say for employers or anybody who suspects someone's being bullied or even left out, because that is actually a form of bullying, which people yes. don't address. Yes. <laughs> right. Very, yeah. Um, to see how people interact with people. Are they going to the pub after work for drinks? Are they being invited to the Christmas party? I know it sounds like really, really simple things, but these are things that have happened to not just me, some of my clients have been excluded from those social events at work. They are not included. And that can be really, really, you can feel really, really like, okay, I'm working with these people every day. You want, you're getting stuff off me because of my expertise, but you don't want to hang out with me, you know? So having those kind of conversations, but also I would say, keeping a lookout in general of how they how they are every day are they a bit quiet and subdued are they just putting their head down and working because i've seen that with a lot of people or is there a space where you're you're seeing someone taking credit for someone else's work that's bullying mm-hmm. right that happens quite a lot yes, it does. and also has there been any situations via email or in a meeting where someone's blaming somebody for something and it's not actually their fault. So looking out for things is what I would say. And having conversations with everybody and just checking in that they feel safe and happy at work is what I would suggest. Yeah. Because, yeah, because like as you're saying that, it's like, you know, there's bullying that goes on in relationships, isn't there? And we mm-hmm. seem to be getting more um, on top of that. And there's, but you know, there's more laws coming up that are protecting us. But like you say, in the workplace, it's, it's kind of can go under the radar, can't it? And exclusion is awful. I mean, that's just... Yeah. You know, that can be horrible for someone, especially if they're not um, someone that's sort of says, oh, I'd like to cut it. I mean, that could just be, that can just get worse and worse and worse and worse, can't it? Where you just feel like you haven't got a voice at all. So that's really sad. I think that's great, great advice you've given. It's very interesting to cover that. The other thing that you talk about in another one of your episodes, I'd love to talk to you a little bit before we, you know, before we finish today, sort of talking about your your experience of having a business podcast, but is, is your... Um, how like why failure can help to really you know improve well just help your career basically um (laughs) which I love the sound of that but it's it's an interesting one because I've talked about this a few times with a few people recently where I've sort of said that my previous experience as an employee employee not an employer but sort of prior to a decade ago when I set up my first business was that you know everything you just had to get everything right I was a total people pleaser I was totally like everything has to be total perfectionist I could do anything I mean I still do believe that a little bit but I could just do anything and I would do everything to the exclusion of myself and probably some around me I'm sorry to say you know that I possibly possibly sorry to anyone listening that says yeah she was a bit of a workaholic but the, re- the reason I'm saying this is because failure was not an option for me. I had a real thing about failure. And I learned from a few very one- like inspiring people, entrepreneurs, that actually the more failures you have, the closer you get to success <laughs> because yeah. it's a, a great learning curve. And I've learned that in coaching as well, you know, that not to be scared of failure and to embrace it. What, what's your experience about that? I mean, I just ask everyone to listen to that episode 69 podcast because it's very good. But what, what's your feelings around that, Soma? I'd love to hear. You know what, failure for me is a subject that I, I really love talking about, actually. Um, and I think just to give a, a small example from my teenage years about failure, adulthood, is I I was always the, the kid in the corner. I mean, this is my personality, so I'm owning it, reading a book, wanting to write an essay in English, just, you know, but I wasn't the kid. It was very good at numbers. I was terrible, right? And I come from quite an academic family, so I was—I felt a lot of comparisonitis. I felt a lot like, well, if I'm not good with numbers and science, you know, oh God, I must be like a right failure. Like, what is wrong with me? And I actually struggled passing my maths GCSE. I had to take it about three times to get to get the C grade to go to uni. And I know that might sound like a simple example to begin with, but my experience with something like that is that when I eventually did pass it. I realised that when I was going to go to uni, when I was going to go to work, I was going to go through more failures. That was just the beginning. And I think in general, what I see with failure, and, you know, I come from a South Asian background, so failure, you know, is always seen as a not good thing. But I've been instilled with this value because my mum's a primary school teacher that, you know, in order for you to learn, you have to fail. 
you're not going to learn anything. And I also think that it's made me more resilient in life. So I gave the example of the hacking and, you know, I had to kind of pivot things. I think if that had been in the first year of my business, I could have easily given up, maybe. You know, I could have easily thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to carry on with this. I'm going to just be like that. But because I've done four years and I realise that failure is not failure, but that blip is teaching me something. No, I'm not going to give up. Mm. I'm going to carry on. Mm. The experience that I find with failure is initially the Career Happiness Mentor started as a business because I actually had a um, practice business just called SG Careers and Job Coach. And as I said, there wasn't really any niche. It wasn't, it didn't have the same kind of strategy this business does. And I was trying to cater to everyone. You know, Marie, Marie Folio always says, if you're trying to speak to everybody, you speak to nobody, right? That, that was the first business. You know, that's her catchphrase. Oh, you're a busy yeah. fool. <laughs> yeah, that's her catchphrase that she uses, right? But I, I was doing that with my first business and I realised, okay, that's just a complete app. So then I learned about niching. I learned about so much. And, you know, I've invested a lot. I've had a lot of coaches. And I'm part of a lot of membership programs. Failure is something which... I think we should all embrace it. And I think we should be teaching when I have kids. But if I did have a kid right now, I'd be teaching my kid about failure from day one. I know that sounds really intense, but when they're in school, I'd be saying, look, if you can't play that game, just keep on practicing, keep on learning, keep on making these mistakes. That's what I think failure is. And it makes you more resilient. I've worked with young people and I've seen the disappointment on GCSE results day when they've got a D. And then I tell them my story about how I was told in school that yeah, I wasn't going to achieve anything. And I retook my maths GCSE and I got a degree and I got a postgraduate. But it gives them hope. That sounds like a really sloppy story. Not at, story all. But, Not but at all. Just to inspire them to think that just if you're told you can't do something, you can. Just be a bit stubborn. I'm a bit stubborn. Hey, <laughs> But that's great. That's yeah. that's that's you, you know, and 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 like you say, just because you, just because you don't succeed at something the first time, so maybe there's more to learn. Maybe yeah. you know, in all aspects of the world, maybe maybe there's more to learn about that specific GCSE subject or business or approach yeah. or whatever, so yeah. that you do it better the next time. That's that's what I always find. Do yeah. you, that leads really nicely onto what I wanted to talk to you about as well, which is helping parents because. Mm. I would imagine you help parents, as you mentioned, GCSEs and that age bracket that Mm. my son's just started secondary school. So it's, you know, it's a whole new world out there at the moment for me. My daughter's still at primary. But I would imagine this through lockdown has been really, really, as as for everyone with parents of all ages, right, university, primary, secondary. But it's, you, you know, what's it been like for helping people? I mean, they haven't done exams what's going on there's and there's sadly been a lot of suicides there's been a you know a high rise in in of that age group where we sadly had someone locally who took his own life because he just didn't feel like anything else there was no there was no more future it's it's massive I mean hmm. so there's that you know what's your experience been of, of, of lockdown and, and dealing with these parents helping parents and their children but also you know that's that's a great thing that you're doing. I'd just love to hear a bit more about that from you, please. Yeah, sure. Um, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I think last August, I start with last August because, you know, you had the whole kerfuffle with the whole A-level results. Oh, what a nightmare, right? Mm. I felt so sorry for all the kids yeah. who were going through that. And I was interviewed for um, TRT World News talking about that a little bit and talking about what advice I would give. And... Um, the reason I mentioned the A-level specifically is because I already feel like there is a lot of pressure for people to go to university, for example. And A-levels, if you link back to failure for a minute, it's all about going to university and doing this and doing that. And there are so many different routes. So my aim also, Nicole, is to try and encourage people to do not necessarily apprenticeships, but to look at all the different options. But what's also been coming up is parents have been educating themselves, have been Googling things and looking at things like, but in a good way, it's good, because parents want to help their children succeed. I'm thinking, actually, maybe my son doesn't want to go to university or my daughter doesn't want to go to university. Maybe, just maybe, they want to do a higher apprenticeship with A-levels. Or when they're looking at their GCSE options, I had a really wonderful young boy that I worked with who was so enthusiastic. I loved, I loved working with him and his mum and dad. And he had so many questions about, 
what actually is the world of work like? What do you do at the office? It sounds like a simple question, but I think it's those questions that kids need answering. They need to know what the working life is like. Mm. Also, I don't know what it's like in your particular area, but when I've worked in schools, work experience has been limited because there isn't enough government funding. Mm. So people have been trying to get work experience during lockdown, and that's been interesting Mm. (laughs) for people because, um, you know, some surgeries have been offering that, but there's there's been a lot of red tape around that, so how can you do that? So I think some of the issues that have been coming up is this worry about children's future. What is going to happen? What are going to be the jobs? Should they go to university? Should they do a higher apprenticeship? Should they just get a job? Should they start a business? And that's the other thing that has been coming up in some of my conversations with parents is that, oh, why isn't there any information about entrepreneurship in schools? Mm. And I actually worked in a school where I tried to encourage more information about entrepreneurship and they shut Mm. me down. They said, no, Shoma. Yeah, I said no. We have targets to meet. We want our, we want the kids to go to Russell Group University. And look, if that child is capable of going to a Russell Group University, I'm fine with that. There are a lot of kids who don't want to go to a Russell Group University. They just they want to learn. They want to maybe become a plumber or hairdresser. These professions are almost belittled, and we need to understand that every young person has a different ambition. There is no wrong or right. I know I might sound quite ambitious in that approach but I feel like there's a lot of snobbery around university and not going to university and that needs to stop it needs to stop so I I could not agree with you more I I mean you know look my son is I, my my his dad and myself we talked to him many times about this and we're like for us we want him to do as well as he can in everything in life so that he has as many doors open for opportunity mm. for him it literally is that you know it's so that he can so that he can choose what he would like to do and if that is going to university fine and if it's not he wants to do something else but it's not I don't want him to limit himself yeah. because of um, lack of effort. And that doesn't mean that I'd <laughs> put him to the grinding stone, but you know, opportunities there's, it's, it's, it's great. Yeah. I wasn't taught that enough. I was like, well, you do it this way, you do it that way. And that's the only way. And I think exactly like you're saying now, there's met, the world is changing. There are many diverse things that you can be doing out there as well as the more traditional careers that you don't necessarily need to go to university for. You can do apprenticeships with it's amazing companies that we have as clients that have amazing apprenticeship programs and yeah it should not be frowned upon and you know every everything that is done on the planet is is is, has some purpose you know everything that we do and um you I'd like to think that lockdown when we all sort of showed support for the NHS and all these other services that have maybe not been given so much support in the past we're all a bit more respectful of that and you know so I I think it's I I love everything that you're talking about I think it's brilliant we're, we're, we're kind of coming up to the end of our chat I mean you do your podcast you've done a hundred I'm on about 30 episodes I've only been going a little while you started obviously 2019 so more credit to you what do you love the most about doing your podcast other than obviously covering all the I mean there's so many subjects I, I think I'm gonna have to talk to you again another time because there's a lot more I wanted to talk to you about here I mean there's all sorts of things that I wanted to talk to you about here that I've not got to so but what's the thing you love about, about it the most and what's what have been some of your sort of golden nuggets of wisdom that you've discovered doing podcasts for the last couple of years so um I think I just I I really really just love the aspect of meeting interesting people and having wonderful conversations with them but also I love the fact that there is a way for me to share information that's free and I might I know that might sound cheesy but (laughs) as business owners yes we do need to pay the bills I get it we get that but there are a lot of people that come to me, Nicole, who have just, you know, especially when they lost their job in lockdown or they were going through financial crisis mm. or they were on a break and they couldn't afford my services. Mm. The podcast is a really like nice tool for them to listen to when they're going for a drive, going for a run, whatever it is. And I know a lot of people have said to me before, but Soma, it's free and you give so much value in one episode. But okay, but that's the point. The point is, is that I want my audience to get to know me because yeah. That's the kind of person I am in real life. If somebody met me in real life, I would probably chat to them for a long time because I do like to chat. But I'm just saying that for me, my podcast 
is part of my personality, it's part of my brand. And that's what I probably love the most about it. But I love all the amazing guests who've come on because I've spoken about so many different things. Mm. And also, you know, it's it's not easy running a podcast, as you know, you run one, but... <laughs> that has almost made me more resilient to do it I think consistency has been the key with the podcast so I don't know I really really love doing it and I know that we're doing this via video but for me it's a way of me almost being in my tricky bottoms and recording an episode or you know it's just I really, really just love the format and yeah. I love the conversations that I have with people and the fact that it gets listened to by people. And I'm adding value to people in a way where they, if they can't work with me, they've got that, you know? I love that. I love, well, listen, I've had a fabulous conversation with you today. It's been great. I mean, there's so people, where's the best place? Is it the best place for people to find you on the website? Tell us where we can find you, more information about what you're sharing here. Yeah, so you can find me at www.thecareerhappinesscentral.com. Um, that's actually going to be rebranding very soon in the next month right. or so. It's just going to be, oh my gosh, still Career Happiness Centre that we were rebranding. But the best place to find me is on LinkedIn yeah. and Twitter. Those are the two platforms. Great, yeah. amazing. I'd, I'd, honestly, thank you so much. This is so interesting. I'm, I am thinking about a career breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe straight <laughs> after this episode, Giles. <laughs> No, I'm literally, honestly, I think um, the, the things that you've talked about are, are very, very interesting. And there was one last thing I wanted to sort of finish off on. You quote on your website about, is it is it Robert Robert Health who says 13% of employees are unhappy? They were unhappy in 2019. And 44% of unhappiness is caused by burnout, which causes anxiety and stress. Do you think this number has possibly gone up or down? What would you say? Probably. I haven't had time. To review that thank you for reading those stats I it's probably has gone up it's probably yeah. gone up no the reason I'm pointing out is probably more people need to get in touch and have a chat with you because it's it you know it's interesting isn't it that those are, those are quotes that were back in 2019 when before we even went through what we went through so it's even more important now I think that everyone addresses things and and chooses a happier path because yeah. you know we we all that's the that's the one choice we all have is the path we walk on <laughs> and it doesn't doesn't have to be an unhappy one it might be unhappy but you can you can make adjustments and certainly with um yeah. careers and our children it's great to know great to know that there's advice out there that we can get so thank you thank you amazing well I would love to talk to you again maybe we'll do a a, a, a live careers assessment or something <laughs> I'll try for myself. (laughs) Well, have a wonderful rest of day. And thank you so much for joining us on the big chat today. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye.